0: and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody.
2: And I'm Ujahat Ali.
1: And Waj, what is the question that is burning in your soul this week?
2: The question that I have is, does a democracy, and specifically a U.S. democracy, survive the GOP assault? And I'll be honest, Danielle, right now, Mm -hmm. sitting here, June 1st, Mm -hmm. recording a day before the podcast drops, I don't know. I, I don't think so. And and I'm not a cynic. And and you know, I'm an optimist, but we like mm-hmm. to keep it real here. We like to call it the comet in the sky. But the reason we I posed this question, and we were talking about this right before we started recording, is there's just some news that dropped today, right? So there's this great reporting by uh, Heidi Prisvallah, who is now with Politico. She was with NBC. And she has tapes that reveal that the GOP plans to contest elections. The way they are doing this is they're assembling this multi Pronged network, an army of soldiers, right? So they're basically recruiting activists to be poll workers, uh, who, by the way, all believe in the big lie and all the conspiracy theories, right? Uh, And they're going to be in Democrat heavy areas. Those poll workers then are going to muck it up and, you know, complain about fraud and they're going to basically connect with GOP lawyers. Uh, And then they're going to do these litigations. And then these party federally district attorneys are going to intervene. To block vote counts at certain precincts, and then you're going to have this party loyalists, right? These these right wingers posing as neutral parties on the board of canvassers, which basically is responsible for certifying the election. So you look at this multi pronged effort, basically this this friggin' uh, like coalition of the villains that are doing this precinct strategy, according to Steve Bannon, to pretty much cause chaos in any election in which republicans lose. Then you had mo Brooks, the same mo Brooks who by the way wore a Kevlar suit on the mm-hmm. day of the January 6th violent insurrection because that's normal, right Daniel? Mm-hmm. And by the way, Ali Alexander, one of the planners of the stop uh, stop the steel rally said that he consulted with three republicans before the January 6th violent insurrection. Hmm. Which one was one of the three? Oh yes, mo Brooks. He now says you can't trust any elections in blue states. Okay, so you have that. Then you have another reporting today that comes out that 65% Mm -hmm. of Republican voters Mm -hmm. believe in the white supremacist replacement theory that motivated the terrorist who killed 10 black people in Buffalo two weeks ago. We already forgot about Buffalo, but I did not. 65% of those voters believe in that. And there's an overlap between those voters who believe in the white supremacist conspiracy theory and who believe in the big lie that Donald Trump won the election that he lost. So- All this came out today, and I'm sitting here thinking, Daniel, and you know, I I planned this out in my head, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. We got a couple of months until the midterms. You got an entire Republican Party now that believes in the big lie, that believes in QAnon, that believes in the replacement theory. You got folks like Mark Fincham in Arizona, who's a member of the Oath Keepers, the right-wing anti-government group that was had a heavy presence on, uh, on January 6th, literally telling you that. You know, I'm going to implement the coup plan if I become the Secretary of State of Arizona. You got the New York Times over the weekend saying all the attorneys, the right wing attorneys who pretty much took part in the coup, they haven't stopped Danielle. They're now creating a quote unquote army of soldiers. Now you got Heidi's political piece that just came out. You got a Democratic Party, which basically is terrified of its own shadow and doesn't know when to fight and how to fight. And got President Joe Biden still praising Mitch McConnell in the aftermath of mass shootings, even though friggin' Republicans have done nothing to move on gun reform. But you still got these backroom deals and bipartisanship and my friend, my buddy. You got a media, specifically CBS, that the president openly says, we need a court access, so we need Republicans. And now they're promoting Killian Conway's book, the same Killian Conway, who literally incited the right-wing mob that calls journalists the enemy of the people. And historically, we have corporations and institutions, as we've seen in Europe, that oftentimes paved the way towards fascism because... The color green trumps all other colors. So all the institutions bend the knee, the media bends the knee, Democrats bend the knee, and the Republicans are committed to a local national strategy to literally overturn a free and fair election. the The January sixth violent insurrection was basically a rough draft, and now they're openly. I always give this analogy because it works like a very convenient and helpful James Bond villain. They're literally telling us the plot that is unraveling in front of our eyes, and we are powerless to stop it. So with all that, I pose the question to you. How does a U.S. democracy survive the Republican assault?
1: So I thank you so much for laying all of this out for our listeners, because I think that it is incredibly important to get, paint the picture of where we are. How do we survive this? We don't. Our democracy is not going to de- to survive this assault. And why is that? Um, it isn't just because I am a pessimist, because I'm actually quite a realist. Um, I believe that government only works as well as the people that are in charge of said government, that we vote as the people for representatives to represent our voice and our interests. Once we allowed for there to be an influx of money in politics— we might as well have put a muzzle over our own mouths. I've been saying for quite some time, why is democratic inaction just their way? Why is it that we can all see that there needs to be a sense of urgency, that there needs to be powerful language to be able to identify who the villain in this story is, who the villain in our Democratic story is. And what I've been saying for for the last couple of months now is that I believe that we are dealing with two sides of the very same fucking coin. These are people, the Democratic establishment is no different than the Republican establishment. They all take corporate money, and corporate money is what decides our future here. What Republicans are doing is doing everything out in the open that they've been doing for the last 50 plus years, which is pushing back against any semblance of progress that we have made. So whether you were talking about the access to voting in which the Supreme Court decided to gut that because as Justice Roberts said, we are past the need for there to be preclearance in this country Shelby. with historically with historically racist states right and what happened after justice roberts decided to uh, to end preclearance we saw a rash a rash of voter suppression bills not just in the states that were forced to deal with preclearance but in all of the states around this country then we said, "Oh, well Roby Wade will never fall, so we're never. not vigilant, we're not vigilant about." protecting and reinforcing Roe v. Wade in this country, we gave it up with the Hyde Amendment in saying that low-income women of color and people with uteruses could not access an abortion because instead of standing in our power and with the people whose numbers have always been on our side on this issue, we decide to cower and have allowed Republicans to paint us as the anti-family, anti-pro-life party. So, How do we lose democracy? Well, we lose it by the president of the United States this week saying that there are, quote, rational Republicans that are still left to work on the issue of gun violence. Well, excuse me, Mr. President, you have been in Congress your whole fucking life, and we have never had any type of rational gun laws on the books, not in the 40 years that he was in the Senate, not in the eight years that he was vice president under the Bush administration. Administration, they allowed the ban on assault weapons to just, you know, expire like milk. And in that time, we went from, as uh, as Representative Ilhan Omar tweeted uh, uh, a, a couple of days ago, we went from 400,000 AR-15s being in the United States, I believe she said that it was in 1993, to there being now forty. Million, Million. AR 15s in the yeah. United States. And so, how does democracy die? Well, it dies in the same way that Madeleine Albright, the late Madeleine Albright, talked about fascism. It dies one instance at a time. Yeah. When she talked about fascism, she said, You don't pluck a chicken all at once. If you do it one feather at a time, no one notices that the chicken is bald. Well, here we are, right in the year 2022 where we have seen an insurrection, we have seen a rise in violence, gun violence, targeted at communities of color, at LGBTQ people, at Muslims in this country, right, at anybody from marginalized communities. And this Democratic establishment has done nothing except offer what Republicans offer after every mass shootings, their thoughts and prayers, Right, so how is it that democracy dies? Democracy dies because of negligence, and it dies because of negligence because the people who we have voted to represent our interest don't have to have a sense of urgency. Why? Because they are white, they are wealthy, they are cis, and they are straight. These are people that have not been inside of a grocery store that have not been inside of faithful institutions that we go about every day. They're not dealing with the rise of inflation. They're not dealing with gas prices because they are people that are driven. Mm. Right. So when we are looking at those that are in powerful positions to what? Use their power and their benevolence to afford the rest of us the positions that we have. And then we wonder why the middle class is being squeezed to non-existence. We wonder why Republicans are able to spread lies because there's no pushback. Why? Because we have a president of the United States that still believes that there are rational Republicans. When Mitch McConnell uttered the same thing that he said back in uh, 2009 that he said last year, you'll be a one-term president right? These are not people that are willing to work with you. And frankly, the fact that Democrats continue to believe that there is some legislative like give here that we haven't tried over the last 50 years is beyond me. And so I have the same sentiments that you do. Does it survive? No, it doesn't. And frankly, it's been decaying, right? For the last 12 years.
2: And you know, I got heat on Twitter from some, you know, Democrats and some blue voters who get really upset at me each time I criticize the Democratic Party, right? I, I, I really was just so disgusted by that comment where Joe Biden said, oh, there's some rational Republicans. I'm like, Lord, like, and I said something, if I remember on Twitter, where we, you know, we need fighters. These Democrats just aren't built for this moment. And I, and I believe that. And people are like, well, what do you expect him to do? Do you expect him just to shame them and bully them? And he needs them. And I'm like, listen. You're never going to get them. They're openly plotting a coup. They literally tried to kill Mike Pence. They tried to kill Mike Pence. You think they're going to save you after they tried to kill Mike Pence? No. Right. Secondly, look at what Republicans do when they're in power. They don't give an F. They don't care. This is what I respect about Republicans. They don't give a shit. They will bum rush a tax cut. It's unpopular, but their donors, the same donors that you talked about, said, you better give us this tax cut or else don't expect a check from us. That's what Senator Lindsey Graham openly admitted. He said they literally told us, don't come back to us unless you pass it. So they said, F you, America. We don't care if it's unpopular. We're going to bum rush this $1.9 trillion tax cut in the dead Mm -hmm. of the night. I'm Donald Trump. I don't give a shit about decorum. I'm going to mock and ridicule everyone, even people in my own party. I'm going to mock their wives. I'm going to mock their fathers. I'm going to spread conspiracy theories. I'm going to be chummy chummy to Kim Jong-un. My kids are going to get rich. Uh, I'm going to promote lies. And I'm just going to say, eh, executive authority, uh, and I'm going to call it a, a national emergency, and I'm going to divert billions of dollars from the, the military to a wall that's not going to be built because my base wants it. They don't give a shit. And so there's so much that Democrats can still do. There's so much that Biden can still do through his exec- of executive authority and through his bully pulpit, right? Just try it. Nothing else has worked. And people say, "Well, well, we we have to be nice to them. We have to be part bipartisan. We have to be adults." No, you need to be a fighter for democracy. I need brawlers for democracy. You don't have to be um, unethical. You don't have to break the law. You don't, I'm not asking you to, but I need you to fight. I need you to recognize the enemy Call it out. We still haven't done that, Daniel, which is also why it pissed me off,
1: (laughs) which is which is fascinating. It's
2: like, you know, literally McConnell and Republicans are like Democrats, liberals and all Democratic voters are Satan worshiping pedophiles. And Democrats are like, you're a rational actor. I just have to talk to you and maybe we could do gun reform. And then Mitch McConnell's like, I'm going to kill you and your child. And you're like, maybe if I just give him lemonade, he'll only kill one of my children. No, no, I'm going to kill all of them. Maybe he'll spare my wife. Kill your wife first. (laughs) Like, that's a rational actor, right? And so I sit here and I get more and more upset because the institutions are failing us. The elected officials are failing us. We're running out of time. I feel like I see the comment in the sky. I feel like people are overwhelmed with inflation, with high prices, through disinformation, through apathy. And America learns the hard way. And, and, you know, this is the beginning of Pride Month. Uh, You mentioned Roe v. Wade. They're going to overturn it probably this month. That's yes. probably what's going to happen. It's
1: not probably, but yes.
2: Yes. And then what's, what are they coming after next? This is what they're marriage coming equality. after next, ladies and gentlemen. They're coming after birth control because they said it, and I take mm-hmm. them literally and seriously. And then they're coming after marriage equality, even though a Gallup poll came out today that said 71% of Americans believe that there should be you know, uh, same-sex marriage in this country, or there should be a right to same-sex marriage, marriage equality. They don't give a shit. 70% of Americans also what? believe that there should be Roe v. Wade. They don't care. And so they're going to go after marriage equality. Then they're going to go after Lawrence, which decriminalized basically gay sex, male gay sex. Yes. And the, why not? They might even go after Brown versus Board of Education. Some of them don't like that. They don't like loving. Mike Brown, senator, said he doesn't like loving. So if any of you are biracial or your parents are of different mixed races, sucks to be you. And so we have all of this. And, and with this, Danielle, You know, Mm -hmm. and and I try to be honest on this podcast. I'm, you know, uh, I'm the optimist. I'm still an optimist. But, you know, my father, I mentioned this in my book, my father, you know, he came here in 66 after the 1965 Immigration Nationality Act. And when he came here, he said, bro, this country was like just wild. Like there were race riots, you know, this country went to Nixon. We were like, what's happening? He survived that, he survived as an immigrant. You you come here, you try your best, you create your community, you get, you know, you get the racism. My parents have gone to jail, they've come out of jail, they've been poor, they've made money, they survived the war on terror, the bush years. During the past 2 years is the first time my father, who's a man now in his 70s, has openly and almost on a bi-weekly basis calls me up and says beta, which means son we really have to think of other countries. I'm an old man. I won't make yep. it, but for, your, but for your kids. And I'm like, oh, no, no, we'll stay. But then increasingly, Danielle, and we were mentioning this before the recording, I had this conversation with my wife just yesterday.
0: Mm-hmm. And I've been
2: doing it more and more. I'm like, where are we going to go? And she first thought I was kidding. And she goes, wow, you're really serious about this. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm kind of serious about at least having a conversation because I'm trying to love a country that doesn't love me back. And I know Republicans. I know what's going to happen when they get in power right? And so just in case, where is our escape plan? Canada, New Zealand, Portugal? Like, what do we do? And my wife thought about it and she goes, I can't help it. I'm too much of a patriot. I want to stare here and fight. I'm like, I do too. And inshallah, we will. But I think it's smart to think of an escape plan just in case. And I know for a fact, Daniel, I'm not the only one and I'm not, we're not the only household talking like this.
1: From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked-about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold.
0: Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves, real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You know, I... I am also a fighter. I am also a person that has pledged their career and their life to the perfection of this very imperfect union. Mm. I have worked on Capitol Hill. I have worked for movement organizations and. Believe that my ancestors had blood spilled. Mm. Bones are buried right on top of these marbled monuments to whiteness Mm. and I have said that I will fight until it is no longer safe for me to be here meaning that I see New York where I am as having at least New York City as having you know let's let it let it be like the levis right Around it. Mm. And until I see that those begin to crumble and I'm not even safe in this state, then I will leave. And I've been having the same conversations with my family. My family um, is from Jamaica, came to the United States in the 1970s. Um, I feel like none of them were paying attention to the news uh, of what was going on with Black people in this country when they decided to come here. Um, But You know, I have been having these conversations with my family because my parents are roughly around the same age as yours. And they are saying, you know, Danielle, uh, initially, a couple of years ago during uh, the 2016 election, they thought that I was being hyperbolic. Right. We will make it through. We've made it through other bad presidents. I recently, a couple of weeks ago, said to my mother. You know, we may have to think about, and I've never wanted to sell uh, our family home. We may have to think about selling because we may need that money in order to resettle someplace else. And I said, and I just want to put that thought into your head now because we're going to need to have a backup plan. And do you know what my very rational mother said? I think that that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. We are not crazy. And this is the point of Democracy Ish. This is the point of these weekly conversations. It is to remind all of our listeners and ourselves that we are seeing the writing on the wall. There are reasons why there were people that were fleeing Germany, right? When they had the time, because they knew what was coming. They could see and feel the energy shifting on the ground, and that they realized that there was a finite window. Of time that they had in order to get to safety. I think that we all need to wake the fuck up and realize there is only so much that we, the people can do when those that we have placed in power have decided to wield that power against us. And when they are increasingly, as Republicans are, linking themselves to violence and echoing violent uh, theories, such as the replacement theory, which is nothing other than white people should rule over everything and everyone.
2: And also what they believe specifically with the, with the, the latest data that came out with about 65 percent is they they believe that Democrats are bringing in, quote unquote, immigrants to replace white folks. They believe this. So yes. we are the enemy. And
1: why what? And why do they believe that? It's because it's being continually taught to them via Fox News. What is the Democratic establishment? What has the Biden administration done to target Fox News for misinformation and for being an enemy of the state? Not a fucking thing. They actually continue to invite them to the correspondence dinner. oh ha 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 Let's make jokes because you know it's so light and fun over there at Fox News. They're the reason why there were gallows that were built on the steps of the Capitol building. They're the reason why you had police officers beat and are still suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. But we are making light of what it is that Fox News is sharing with its tens of millions of listeners, as opposed to making it one of the staples of the Democratic Party that in order for us to have free and fair elections, we need to have information that is not about jostling up a base of people that have more ar-15s than they do fucking sense and so we, we this doesn't crumble just because republicans are evil bad people it crumbles because to your point we have no warriors
2: yeah We have no worries. And the institutions always bend the knees, like Charlie Brown and Lucy, another analogy I always give on the show, right? We always take the the bait and then Lucy, represented by Republicans, just laughs in our faces and kicks dirt in our faces and stomps our head, right? It's one of those situations where, you know, I I sit there and I think about it and people say, oh, you're being hyperbolic and you silly liberals. But think about it, millions of Americans voted for a man wanted a ban on Muslims, who said openly on television, I think Islam hates us, whose uh, whose voters believe that me and Danielle and perhaps the most of you listening are part of a Satan worshiping cabal that drinks the blood of children after sexually molesting them. I'm not even making that up. That's the QAnon theory, right? And as such, a third of them believe violence is necessary to take back their country. Uh, what happens when Republicans take back the country is they have the executive. They're going to have the Senate. They're going to have the House. They're going to, they already have the Supreme Court. They're going to, quote, unquote, do a purge, which is what Donald Trump tried to do in his uh, final year. And he tried to do the purge with the help of Jenny Thomas, the wife of Clarence Thomas, who, Mm -hmm. by the way, doesn't even hide his extremism anymore. Literally, they tried to purge even Republicans who weren't loyal enough to Trump. So there'll be a purging. This is what happens in fascism. It's fascism 101. So you're going to purge the Justice Department. You're going to purge the administrations. You're going to purge pretty much all the guardrails that the rest of you depend on to save this thing called democracy, right? So we won't have the protection of the presidency, the Senate, the House, or even law enforcement. And black folks already know that because now the Justice Department and the military and the National Guard is going to be purged with, loyalists. So even Mm -hmm. if you have the levy, as you said, right, I thought about this. So Mm -hmm. I've been saying, okay, one way out of this is you live in a blue state, or you live in a blue enclave, or you live in a purplish state. That gives you some protection, right? Because you have the majority and you have the local and state powers, right? Which most likely will be blue or bluish. But how does that compete with the power of the presidency and also the batons and tear gas and guns of a mm-hmm. militarized police that is weaponized against people of color.
1: It doesn't. I mean like and and that and that's why we're saying, you know, the reality is is that everyone needs to start to think about a plan B, right? Like and and, and this is again not us being hyperbolic. There is only so many places that you can go and hide in this country. We saw what Donald Trump and Republicans were doing during COVID to blue states that they did not like—they're going to punish was, them. There was there, there was absolute punishment for their actions, right? That you know, or at Danielle, the time, even climate
2: change, or, or even the right. fires. Remember the the devastating fires in my home state of California. Correct.
1: We're not going to give California any federal dollars in order to combat right these raging fires. But that A are But A plus treatment for Alabama.
2: A plus treatment for Alabama.
1: Correct. And so when you start to see things like this happen, which we saw during COVID, which we saw during the fires, there's only so long that you can hold out in these blue states before the fucking levees break, Mm. right? Because there are no reinforcements that are being put in place in order to keep us safe. So I say- Read the writing that is on the wall and begin to think about a plan for yourselves, for your families, because there is going to be no way to escape from the pain, because this is not about just a a difference in ideology. This is about the pain and Mm. the violence that Republicans want to inflict on people who don't cower to their will. Right. If we are not stepping off sidewalks saying yes, ma'am and yes, sir, keeping our head downs and our mouths shut and just taking what we taking, what they give us, they are going to kill us.
2: Mm.
1: Right. So they're going to do it slowly with policy and then they will actually
2: just do it. And, and I'll give you an example for that, Danielle. So the way this all works in tandem is you have a base now that will feel empowered because they will say, ah, our guy is in power. So you'll get Mm -hmm. more Kyle Rittenhouses, you'll get more Mark McCloskeys, you'll get more Eddie Gallagher. Eddie Gallagher is the war criminal, the Navy SEAL man who was rejected by his own team for being a freak extremist who literally knifed an unarmed uh, kid who was a detainee that Eddie Gallagher, who's basically a hero, by the way, look at the heroes, their heroes are Kyle Rittenhouse, who took a gun across state lines with his mom, and decided just to casually walk around and shot three people, killed two people, white people, by the way, Mark McCloskey, who took out a gun with his wife uh, against a peaceful BLM protest, because they had the audacity to peacefully protest in his rich suburban neighborhood. Uh, That was illegal, by the way, but he was pardoned he was pardoned by yep. the Republican governor and then yep. invited to the RNC where he was given prime real estate for five minutes where he pretty much echoed the birth of a nation talking points from 1915 and now he's running for Senate. So think about that. You're gonna have the oath keepers and three percenters and car written houses who are like, ah, open season. It's my country now. I can take out the gun. I yep. can shoot a black man jogging. I can shoot BLM protesters. I can shoot an Antifa person. I'll get either pardoned or I'll get acquitted. Either way, my president's got my back. This is my country. I'm standing my ground. I'm taking it back. Meanwhile, could you imagine, we've talked about this often, often in our program, the double standards. If you and me were to show up at January 6th as a violent insurrection, or if you and me were to hound a white jogger in our neighborhood, or if you and me were to call the cops on a white bird watcher, what would happen to us?
1: Um, We would be killed. Tased, Uh, killed,
2: arrested. Tased,
1: killed, arrested. I think that, you know, here, here, I, I had a conversation, um, about a week or so ago on my other show, woke AF, um, with, uh, Dr. Brittany Cooper, who is an associate professor at Rutgers university. And we are getting into, you know, very real conversations about our safety. Right. And her saying like, Danielle, they are coming for us. Mm. The reality is, is that they're not going to be able to kill us all, but they are absolutely going to try. And so understanding that truth, you have choices and decisions that need to be made. Right. Um, And again, I will say, I will stay and fight for as long as I can. But I think that people like you and I, people who are of color, people who are queer, people who are from uh, varied religious backgrounds, we are not, go- and people who have made their career speaking out are not going to be safe. Yeah. We are going to see our prisons filled with political prisoners, right? We've already seen a stacked Supreme Court. So you tell me, how is it that Joe Biden, who has access to all of the information in the world, the smartest people in the world, is still referring to these people as rational and thinking that they are his friends when we are very clearly laying out the facts. How is that possible?
2: Because they are his friends. That's the reality. Look, as George Carlin said, it's a big club and you
0: ain't in it. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves, real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
2: You know, bringing things full circle, the, it, it's also a reflection on the failure of these institutions, the failure of elites across all parties, the the failure of the wealthy and the white and the privileged who were blind to the abuses of that privilege for decades, who did not heed the warnings of women, of people of color, of Muslims, of immigrants, of queer folks. And the question is, is it too late? And the question is, is can we do enough to win? And what we need is, is pretty much two things. You need the Biden administration to flex as much as it can, and and to now to give the Biden administration some some comfort, if you will, or some 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 love. I understand there's a 50-50 Senate. I understand Manchin and cinema. White moderates, of course, have hijacked you. I understand there's not everything you can do. I understand the Supreme Court stacked against you, but you got to do something. And can you convince enough voters, especially the the biggest voting block, which is those who can vote but don't vote, to mobilize? We're going to see. And I think the test is the following. The test is going to be Roe v. Wade. It's dead in the, probably this month, as you said, mm-hmm. Danielle. If mm-hmm. that doesn't galvanize people, and there's gonna be waves of shootings in the summer. This is it's, it's gonna oh, yeah. be it's gonna oh, be yeah. just,
1: this is just the beginning. This is mm-hmm. the beginning.
2: So if if, if mass death mm-hmm. plus Roe v. Wade is not enough to stave off some of the pain of the midterm losses, it's it's America learns the hard way. It's a wrap, and there's only so much that we can do. I'll do what I can. Um, but I think, and I'm a father of three, I would be foolish at least not to really think. Of an escape mm-hmm. plan.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's I, this is this is the reality of, of where we are. And I, you know, I apologize to you all on my it is the beginning of summer, uh, it is the beginning of Pride Month. And I want us also to recognize that things are really bad. Marinating in that madness is not going to make it change. We use these shows as an opportunity to have conversations for people not to feel alone and to access some solutions, mm. right? Um, but the reality is the reality, uh, and the reality right now is stark. And so if you are looking for something to do, call your elected officials, you know, if you're looking to something to do, uh, provide funds if you are able to to local abortion clinics, right? Um I and I say local because they're the ones that need it. Uh if you're looking for something to do, figure out how to volunteer. And if you can still run for office, run for friggin' office. Locally, right in locally. mass. Locally, right? Because that is where the battle is. It's what Steve Batten said. Um and it's what we need to be paying attention to. And so can I say this
2: Daniel, you know and, and you know we, again, we, we, we I'm glad you said this, Daniel, because some people are like, "Oh my God, this' is so depressing.' it's, it's not. It's, it's you have to acknowledge the comet coming in the sky and then you have to prepare to fight yes. it or or prepare to survive it. We want we want us to survive this, and so if you if you want to do something, register to vote, register your family to vote, run for local office school boards medical boards, right? City council, sign up to be a poll watcher. I'll give you one positive here. The data shows that the folks who, you know, the Republican right-wing activists who promoted CRT and took over school boards, there were just a few, but they were very organized and zealous. Everywhere that we met them with a response, a counter message, we had the numbers, we drowned them out. Even when it came to like anti-vax and anti-masks, you know, the New York Times did a report, we already knew this, that it was just a few people. But because they were organized and galvanized and loud, they were able to what? Make the rest of us bend our knee. We have the numbers, ladies and gentlemen. We have the numbers. The problem is we don't flex. We don't flex. So I know it might be overwhelming on a national level. Forget about the national level for a second. Local, 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 right? Poll watchers, school boards, city council, register to vote, become informed, become aware, get a community. And then finally, I hope that our weekly podcast, as Danielle said, you know, in in addition to informing you, sometimes enraging you, hopefully delighting you, also makes you feel like there's a space where you can also exhale. We have to exhale because we have to survive. Sometimes survival is victory. And if you don't believe me, just ask the ancestors. Sometimes you have to survive. And maybe, Daniel, the last thing I'll say is, you know, Another option of this and I've said this to my wife is you know if we don't leave we just have to endure for like 10 years.
1: Oh, I think it'll be more than 10, but How, how yes. long how
2: long do you think is if it goes sideways?
1: I think you're I think we're losing a generation uh more than a generation. So I'm thinking about 20 hmm. uh 20 to 30 years. I I think that it is a foregone. This is not something that comes back in the next cycle.
2: Until then, we fight and we live and we hope uh, to thrive and live with joy as best as possible.
1: Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody.
2: And I'm Mujat Ali.
1: And we will be back next week and every week thereafter, if there is a country left.